0: Depression is a motherfucker. If you or someone you know needs help with mental health struggles, you can go to the National Alliance on Mental Illness website at NAMI.org or call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or just simply dial 988 for immediate help. At the lowest moments, remember it's the darkest before the dawn and there is help out there. You are not
1: alone. You are now entering Nowhere California. If you love what you hear, you can subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast players. And if you can, please leave us a ranking and review. Also, if you like our ideas but hate our voices, you can get your Nowhere California fix at NowhereCalifornia.com. And if you want to share your random thoughts or other bullshit, you can message us at Facebook.com slash NowhereCalifornia or Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. Remember to listen irresponsibly, my friends. Ideas from everywhere, voices from nowhere since 2011.
0: This is Josh. <clears throat> and this is Nick. Welcome to Nowhere, California. I'm not flying solo in kind of a roundabout way.
1: I hear you, but I don't see you. Where are you, sir?
0: I'm, I'm at home.
1: Oh, well, that it, would that would explain why you're not here.
0: Yeah, but I know we're both not wearing pants, though.
1: Well, yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Is this one of those episodes where I can quietly touch myself and yet still continue the show?
0: How did that stop you before when you were here? God
1: damn it. That's a fair point. Yeah. Well, carry on.
0: Well, anyways... Uh we are getting one more episode in under the 2023 calendar year, and I'm not solo by myself like I've been lately. No,
1: you know what though? Um I'm kind of glad you're not because you've been setting that bar pretty high, and uh you know it's you're making me kind of step it up when we have to do our our duo recording. Uh, If I ever have to do one of these solos, I'm just gonna shit the bed.
0: Uh, if I can do it, anybody could do it. I love it, it. I love it. If you want to check back into the vault in like my earlier solo episodes where it is clearly over edited and like maybe five minutes long.
1: Well, so here's the thing. And I've said this many, 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 many times. And I'm going to reiterate this. And uh, it, it's not just lip service. I couldn't be more impressed or proud of the progress that you've made. You know, like I, I know you were not the you know, the the overtly outgoing type, you know, like Phil and I have been with theater and things like that. And, uh, you know, you had to work your way into your confidence and you have really found a comfort zone and a, you you've, you found a, a comfort zone and a um, confidence that's truly, truly inspiring and impressive. And And I just want to congratulate you on that.
0: Thank you, man. And you kind of did a of a good segue, uh talking about confidence because we could talk about a con.
1: And oh, let me wipe right. the
0: cheese a little bit off of that because that was a really cheesy segue.
1: Listen, when, when you start getting up there, and I'll welcome you into this age, the the stupid dad jokes just kind of fall out of you. Oh, yeah, so, th- and
0: that one just slipped right out of there because <laughs> uh but
1: this, is, this is the aftermath of the Los Angeles Comic-Con. Yes, and God damn, did it feel good to get back into the convention circuit? And oh god, yeah! What what an incredible con to get back to! Uh, traditionally started as Stanley's Kamikaze, yep, and uh, and just kind of morphed into the Los Angeles Comic Con that's embraced by LA as much as San Diego Comic Con it is embraced by San Diego, and um, you know it was. It was phenomenal this year. It was absolutely fantastic.
0: And like, like you said, uh, it's our first comeback. And I I'm pretty sure we were in the, that rose colored glasses moment of like, Oh, we're home.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it, it felt like old hat, you know, like coming back to something familiar, you know, it's, it's one of those things where all your senses kind of, uh, you know, like the, the tension I normally feel when I drive in Los Angeles, (laughs) um, just kind of gave way to excitement because every every mile closer was just you know uh, sheer excitement for me because I totally knew we agree. were going back to something that we love to do you know the yeah. cons we love going to represent.
0: I'm a mixed bag when it comes to driving, but driving to the con this year it felt like oh yes it, the, there's a purpose here and yeah it yeah, took. Absolutely. The con was a three day event. We were able to, I was able to do two days. You got to do one day and let's just dive into it. Um, I went down the Friday when the con started and I was able to slip in early because I was able to dodge the really uh, by the book security people and got through one of the more easygoing ones (laughs)
1: Yeah. We were fortunate enough actually over our couple of days there that we did run into a few of those, but you, you got the, you got to peek behind the, the, the curtain early and, uh, I couldn't have been more jealous of of this.
0: So it, well, for me, it felt good to ease my way back in because of how quickly that floor can get crowded and overstimulating and all the above.
1: I, I 100% agree with that. Um, we'll get more into detail about this in a second, but that was one of the things that I noticed right off the bat is that the flow of traffic, the flow of foot traffic, I should say, from the moment that you enter, which is where all of your cosplayers post up and do huge group photos and things like that. Nothing felt inaccessible. It was easy to traverse everything at the con and, uh, you know, that's something that we, we talked to with, you know, like the CEO, like I said, we'll get into that in a little bit, yeah. but for, for me, from my perspective, when I showed up on Saturday, we, we had our press room that we could go to. Normally we just check in at the little booth. We get our press pass and we go about our way. But that was something that you and I, <laughs> we communicated very quickly. Um, when we were approved was, man, we had a press liaison this
0: time. Oh yeah. We've never we had, had
1: no. And the the organization of Los Angeles Comic-Con couldn't have been better. It's the best it's ever been.
0: Oh, yeah. And totally agree.
1: They, yeah. They just made everything so accessible. So from the moment that you got your pass, you know, there wasn't I didn't have to wait in a big, long line to do anything. You know, they and even then, as easy as it was for me to get my pass, they were still complaining up there. And I don't mean us as you know the press, the the people who were handing out the, the passes and checking people off, they were the ones complaining because they wanted to streamline it even further. Oh yeah, you know, so they're they're really there to give everybody from press and exhibitors and everything else, um, you know, VIPs and just your average you know every, uh, average everyday Joe who just gets a one day pass, they want to give them the best experience they possibly can. And I think they went above and beyond to do that this year.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I hit the floor running on Friday. I did the usual complete walkthrough, met up with some really interesting booths and got a chance to really dive into Artist Alley. As I was making my way through the floor, I just started getting a little bit of that itch to jump into interviews and I quickly got, the two interviews that uh, our listeners are going to be hearing over the next few weeks. Like uh, the first interview that was posted was with uh, Ted Sakura, the guy behind hero tomorrow comics, which by now, hopefully everybody's heard that interview. And this, the thing that caught me one was the banners and the artwork on display was vibrant colors. It just drew you in. You're like, Oh God. Okay. I got to find out about this. And then meeting Ted and learning about the universe he's created is like, okay, you know what? We need to start recording now.
1: Yeah. You know, you, this was, this was one of our artists and you made no qualms about this. You wanted to, you wanted to tackle uh, Artist Alley like right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. well, like you know, our history with artist alley with like
0: uh the man versus Rock Eyes, and especially with uh George Wassel on Oh Hell. Like
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we've made some lifelong friends and supporters, um, and, and people that we support as well. And um and that's something that I, I think we're gonna continue with, with Ted Sakura as well and hero tomorrow comics. Um, like you said, I was drawn in right off the bat when you introduced him to me. And um, you know, I'll let you kind of give your aspect of it from Friday and then I'll throw in my stuff here. He was just one of many artists that you could not stop ranting and raving about. And I was absolutely impressed with, with his artwork and the story.
0: Yeah. And it was cool talking to him and everything. And then we got, I got the interview done and on the way home that night, I was like, Oh fuck. I forgot to ask about the artist," And I was able to go right to him when the con started on Saturday. And mentioned, hey, we forgot to talk about the artist. He's like, hey, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I told him, gave him a quick rundown of how Nowhere works. I'm like, let's just record a little chunk right now and I can add it in. And that's what we did. And he, without him yeah. skipping a beat, like I told you, and hopefully everybody didn't notice during that interview that the audio for that took place on two separate days.
1: Uh, it did, which, uh, you know, <laughs> kudos, hats off to you, my man, for, uh, for the editing. But Ted was such an easy interview. Oh, yeah. Um, he was so forthcoming and, um, you know, very eager to, you know, as all independent artists are to get their their work out there. But he was truly proud of the work and the comics, you know, that, that he and the other artists were putting forward. Uh, you know, he, he's primarily the writer and the yeah. creator behind the stuff. and But he also, you know, uh, dipped his hand into the artwork as well and delivered hundred percent. And he was so proud of, uh, you know, the product that he was putting forward. Um, yeah,
0: definitely. And, um, and it really came
1: through, really came through in the interview.
0: That's the one thing I really tried to gun for with all these interviews and, you know, the drill too, is it, I want it less as an interview and I want it more as a conversation. Absolutely. And the other interview we got was kind of a friend from Khan's past, uh, Tim Zajac and He's the man behind uh, Poe Noir, if you've come across this comics or seen it at cons. Really cool dude and really creative mind when it comes to Absolutely. his creation. And really uh, kind and humble about things because we have, I think it's either two or three interviews in the like on the shelf waiting to be heard. Because mm-hmm. 2020, I guess, would be the best way to just sum it all up.
1: Yeah, that kind of bullet points it.
0: Yeah, but when I saw him and I was like, oh, dude, good, you're here. And I was like, I am so sorry. He's like, why? And I explained, he's like, oh, it's fine, dude. I'm like, you want to talk again? He's like, yeah, sure, why not? And I'm like, okay, we'll have some fun with the fact that the other interviews are still waiting. And when you guys hear the episode, you'll, you'll know why. But it was great to catch up with him. And I guess to sum up my Friday, it was good just to be able to roam around and just get back to it. Like I remember walking that main aisle going towards the main stage and feeling what me and Kim have like kind of dubbed the creative tingles. Where okay, I love that. Yeah, and it's just like okay, yeah, I, I'm in the right spot right now.
1: Yeah, and and uh, like I said, it it just harkened back to it. It's somewhere that we felt at home.
0: And. I walked the floor a couple times, um, and then went to the second hall, which was the anime gaming hall, which was very unique because, like we talked about in the previous episode, it's a very in- inclusive and very interactive con this year, and it, w- it showed through that gaming hall and the fact that they had freaking go karts going. <laughs> they had a go kart yeah. track inside,
1: <laughs> and. You know, the, I I think one of the, the ideal things that they've done is, you know, I've attended in the past, I've attended the uh, uh, Los Angeles auto show and, you know, they have multiple levels dedicated to different things and the con Los Angeles comic-con this year really utilized that aspect um, and, and successfully integrated everything together. So it was all superbly accessible but everything had its own place. Your, you know, autograph row with all your celebrities where you'd go and take your pictures if you wanted to, if you paid for, you know, meet and greets with certain celebrities like Sean Astin or Rain Wilson. Um, you know, it was set aside for that so that there wasn't a herd or or a stampede to get to an area to meet somebody. Yeah, or it was any, designated.
0: Like, looky-loos too, which I... As much as I used to like walking in the area where you're, if you're not able to pay, you're able to at least go, okay. hey, there's Wayne Wilson. But to keep everything streamlined and keep things moving properly, the way they had the autograph alley kind yep. of roped off and off to the side. So the people that have put the money down can get in, do their thing, and get out. And same thing with the photo ops. Get yep. in, do your thing, get out.
1: Uh, they, you didn't felt like you were stacked up, um, you know, with people wanting to play video games or be part of the gaming stuff, you know, and things like that, because they had their whole, uh, the, uh, an entire section dedicated just for uh, their pursuits as well. Exactly. Um, you know, and they left the main floor to a lot of the exhibitors and the up and coming artists. And of course, you have your main stage, which is uh, superbly set off in the back so that. You know, people have plenty of room to get in and listen to the panel, and you know, and all that. And then you have your next floor up, which is where our uh, press room was, but it was also occupied by all of the all of the workshops and things like that. That the they different had panels, the yes,
0: Q and As, yes. and everything like that. Uh, the Zombie Con movie had their premiere up there. Yeah, Which we will be hopefully getting a screener here soon and be able to discuss that because everybody we met from that movie and the trailer alone like screamed like, "Oh yeah, this is a nowhere deal."
1: So like, they were the coolest people. Um, if if you attended LA Comic Con, anybody and any of our listeners out there, if you attended LA Comic Con, they were the booth that were taking uh, Polaroid pictures and um, you know posted putting them up on their their walls and stuff like that and, and making a big collage of all of that stuff in promotion of a zombie movie that takes place that a zombie outbreak that basically takes place, um, at a convention like LA Comic-Con or San Diego Comic-Con and it looks funny. It looks scary. It looks interesting. It was just such a unique and, and, and genuinely new idea um, on a very old trope with the with the zombie you know universe, but they put their own spin to it, and so nothing felt stagnant or you know old. Um, and I- I'm really looking forward to to seeing this, and uh, hopefully doing a lot more with them as far as press goes. It's kind of interesting
0: that this small like independent movie Zombiecon has such a presence on the floor compared to um, Echo. Disney Plus's Echo had a booth at Los Angeles Comic Con. You would have noticed it because it no. was very, very minimal.
1: It was when... like an afterthought.
0: Yeah. And people wonder why Echo is an Echo, honestly.
1: <laughs> you know, it, it, for a character that's very interesting, and I, I think they can set up to tie in a whole lot of stuff with Marvel, it felt like it was hidden um we stumbled across it you knew it was there but i i basically just stumbled across it i wouldn't have even seen it if you hadn't pointed it out to
0: me exactly and, and i I'm, almost guarantee a lot of other people are probably like there's an echo booth
1: look i get it i get it that you know they have d23 where they can introduce all of this stuff but if you're going to take some stuff to another convention throw a little Disney money this way. Let's, let's go big, you know, let's see some stuff. Let's, let's really start to pique the interest. And maybe they did, maybe they had things that were super interesting, but it sure shit didn't feel like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I know what would be very interesting is getting into you showing
1: up. Ooh, you know what? I couldn't have been more excited and it was only uh, matched if not doubled by the fact that you were so excited to kind of like, come here, come meet these people, come check out who I got to meet yesterday. So I I had an absolute blast.
0: Pretty much the beginning of my day at the con on Saturday was basically kind of like my Friday. I kind of roamed the floor. Like we mentioned earlier, I got that missing piece of the conversation with uh, Ted Segura about the artists that worked on the books of Hero Tomorrow and then basically waited for you.
1: yeah so uh (laughs) mine was eventful i uh i got a solid third of the way to the con and realized i did not have my wallet
0: yeah it was so pretty um, laughable (laughs) yeah
1: i know i ended up hitting the con floor a little bit later than i i wanted to but it didn't stop us one bit
0: oh yeah no Uh, not at all
1: i got checked in uh pretty quick met you up in the um Met you up in the press room. Well, actually, I, I got up to the press room and got a really good picture of you uh down on the floor. Um, you know, just kind of out there in in the mix, you know, in the down in Jurassic Park, as it were.
0: Yeah, I and, needed a uh, new profile picture, so I thought,
1: why not? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was uh it was a pretty cool picture. I dug it. So Yeah, I'm tired <clears> of people yeah.
0: looking at my old profile picture going, You have hair?
1: Right. <laughs> like Who's this guy? Yeah. Why does this look like a before and after? Pretty much. Um,
0: but yeah, <laughs> we hit the ground running. As soon as you got there, we made our way through the floor and I started introducing you to people.
1: <laughs> you did. And uh, one of the one of the first ones you took me around to was Ted Secor over there um, with Hero Tomorrow Comics. And I was completely taken back by the way that he and his artists will draw the female form um it was something that i I said and and as you know the father of uh you know girls and knowing you know especially a very young girl i know we come from an era where you know huge boobs and tight spandex and all that stuff you know cleavage and suggestive photos and things like that they they have their niche. Don't get me wrong. You know, I grew up on the X Men comics. I grew up on Fantastic Four. Yeah. I grew up on you know
0: Mary Jane, uh, Wonder
1: Woman, and all of that stuff. But um, but I noticed, you know, when I was first at first glance, the way that they did the way they presented the female form it, was with the
0: uh, uh, Bloom book.
1: What's that? yeah, with the Bloom book, sir. Yeah. Uh, so. And I happened to buy one of the limited edition covers to that as a matter of fact. And it was one of the banners that he had. Um, It just, it it just kind of took my breath away because it was, it was modest and yet simultaneously sexy. It was almost like the, uh, like the sexploitation films, you know, the bad girl, you know, the good girl gone bad sort of uh, things of the 1960s and you know where you knew that this was this this woman was badass. You knew that she was sexy. Uh, she was commanding, and yet she never revealed too much. Yeah, and totally. um, and I absolutely love that about them. So, um, but what caught me was you know punchline and the vaudevillians, uh, vaudevillians, sorry, uh, which is you know what one of his creations, and. He was there, you know, heavily promoting also uh, violante, um, the mystic healer, and um,
0: that was a this, recently very successful uh, Kickstarter campaign,
1: yes, absolutely funded. If you go to their uh, if you go to uh, their their website, which is uh, hero tomorrow.com, you'll see on there that their uh, their Kickstarter was was very successful and they're moving forward with the uh, violante line. Um, yeah, with, the third issue of punchline
0: where Violante is the primary villain
1: yes she's um it's her very first appearance and she's you know I don't want to give too much away but oh, yeah. she's going to be in direct opposition of the uh, the VOD villains
0: yeah I got um, I, I threw my money in and I got uh, one of the variant covers which is a throwback to like a early 70s like Mexican horror film poster
1: yeah absolutely and um you know, she has a very Dia de los Muertos, you know, kind of look to her. And um, just an incredible, just a very passionate outing um, from Mr. Sakura. And like I said, he was he was incredibly approachable. We we immediately were launched into uh, an Instagram live.
0: Which we never had done and, before at the con.
1: No, not. That was our very first time and we couldn't have possibly picked a better um you know, interviewer or uh, uh, interviewee, I should say um, in, in Ted Sakura and uh, he wrote tomorrow comics because he just, you know, like he, he knew what he wanted to tell people and he did it with such passion. You know, he even directed us a little bit and was like, okay, catch this, catch this, but don't oh, yeah. catch this. I don't want to give too much away here, you know? And he, he knew, he knew and cherished his product. And, uh, and, and I really admired him for that, you know? So, I had no problem, uh, you know, throwing some coin out there and, and buying some of these comics. I, you know, I have it here at home.
0: Yeah. Um, you threw out some more coin uh, with the other interview we did with, uh, Tim Sajak with, uh, yeah, with noir. Tim Sajak.
1: yep. And, uh, I had to get my teas right. We had a Ted and a Tim. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tim, Tim Sajak was, he just laid it out like this. Poe Noir is basically your dime Noir, um, detective novels made from Edgar and Poe's stories. Yeah. So your telltale heart, you know, um, you know, all, all of these, the pit and the pendulum, the cask of Amontillado, all of that stuff is put into these pages. And I think one of the things that I, I really dug the most being, you know, a cinephile is that his covers all took from Either classic moments within, uh, you know, the golden age of cinema or, you know, were, we're direct uh, comparisons, you know, to those. So there was a like Casablanca that was on there. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just fantastic. But um, That's and something, this, this, uh, this,
0: if we get a chance to talk to him again, I really would like to discuss with them that aspect of the Po Noir world.
1: What's that? Which, which, which aspect? The
0: imagery. The imagery.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it's very stark, it's very dark, you know, of course, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of not to bury the lead there with Poe Noir, but, um, you know, it's, it's very dark and gritty imagery, just like you would find in a, in a dime noir, uh, you know, crime novel of the twenties, thirties and forties. And, um, Again, you know, just another artist who was completely passionate about it. And he was very kind. We happened to find out during the the, the con um, that my my daughter with autism happened to uh, make the principal's honor roll for the very first time, straight A's and B's. And um, he, you know, I, I told him I was going to buy all the comics. And he took the time to sign every single one of them for her and gave her a special special message on the limited edition uh los angeles version of one of his uh covers and i i couldn't have been more pleased to have met the artists that we did right off the bat you know in both ted and tim um you know in their their respective comics and i mean you set the pace fast man and i was like how are we going to top this but it, it never once lost its momentum you know, we bounced around. I happened to uh, to work my way around and got to meet a, a gentleman. For those of you who are into music um, or just familiar with his character, Eddie, from Iron Maiden. Um, his creator basically was there. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Derek Riggs, he took time to sign something for, um, you know, he, he took... Time to sign a a version of Eddie that my daughter loves. That's kind of the way the con goes is you just, you move around and you find these amazing things. And it's, it is a nightmare. If you have no impulse control whatsoever. Oh, big because time. No, I, wanted, I totally oh, agree. God, uh, I wanted to buy everything.
0: Yeah. Like I picked up uh, some art that I've been dying to get for a very, very long time from Matsumoto art. It's the two prints he's done of Marty and uh Doc Brown of Back to the Future, and it's yep. kind of sectioned off to show each part of the trilogy. Yep. And yeah. as soon as I saw his booth on Friday, I was like, okay, I got to buy it. Unfortunately, he was not there. Saturday, first thing I did before I did anything, I went straight to his booth. He was there, and I was like, I would like those two, please. Yeah. But also, too, in the conversation with him and basically one thing led to another where we have our hands on uh, additional print of the Marty. And I would we'll say it now. I'll probably say it again towards the end of this episode. I'm thinking we're going to have to do something on TikTok to give that one away. We'll figure it out as time progresses and everything. But. That I think uh, with our ventures into TikTok, I think that'll be the realm to give that print away.
1: Uh, I I agree. I think that we've we've been able to uh, dip into a realm that we had previously touched on before. Um, you know, we back in the day, of course, we did vines and things like that. So it, the, <laughs> the fact that it's taken us this long to jump into the TikTok realm. I'll Um,
0: be honest. I was kind of avoided it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and that's fine. You know, like to me, I was like, you know what? Let let's see what happens with it. And all I did was just, you know, they they it's a very easy plug and play, but it's also there for in depth, you know, art uh, um, editors and whatnot. But it gave me the ability to instantly post stuff from the con. And I think it was our our Wally post. If you get a chance, go over to Nowhere California podcast. Um, at, just search that at TikTok. You'll find us right there. It, it was just our Wally video that we did. Uh, there's there's amazing droid creators, yeah, that are there, and they usually do like uh, the last time we were at Con, um, they had Chopper from uh, Rebels, and from the now famous you know Ahsoka series. Um <clears throat> R2D2, uh, you know, R five, tons of these. I think this is the uh, first point. time I've ever seen this Wally roaming around a con though. Exactly. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And apparently so did all of our watchers because we have uh, to date well over six thousand views. Oh no, it's almost ten thousand. In- the, oh, yeah. See, and that's, that's the thing I haven't checked on it recently, but I know we're well over 6,000. So and it's to uh,
0: last time I checked, it was over 1300 likes.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, it just was, it, it was nice to be able to put something out there instantaneously and have people notice it and, and be able to experience it almost the same way that we did. No, oh, yeah, um, you know the same interactions. You know, we get to add a little bit of music to it, so it gives it a nostalgic feel or a, a familiar feel. And man, it was just something that we ran with. So yeah, I agree. I think we're going to have to tackle this, uh, giving this thing away on, uh, on our TikTok page.
0: Yeah, and something else you did really well with TikTok, and that it would be a good segue to discuss the world of cosplay at this con.
1: You know, um, I would made the comment while we're on the floor that I was so incredibly impressed with the inclusivity that this con really brought nobody you know I I think in in every this is something uh, an observation that I've made is that in the nerd world (laughs) that we all are very proud to be part of there's kind of a hierarchy within there where you know I know just as much as the guy next to me, but I'm just not as enthusiastic. And so sometimes we look down the end of our nose, you know, and Some it, it can be very. Uh, there could be gatekeepers. Time, there could be yes, some gatekeepers there. Yes. And I did not get that sense at all at LA comic-con this year. Um, oh yeah, totally. We look, had,
0: they were pushing we had the cash- fact cash- that it was very inclusive and they, it showed in colors and, and rainbow colors at that.
1: Yes, I mean we had we had uh cosplayers in drag that dressed as Princess Peach. Um cosplayers uh in drag who dressed as, you know, uh a Wanda from Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And you know, it was there was there was never any judgment. Everybody celebrated everybody's um participation everybody's uh foray into whatever cosplay they were doing whether it was just something you bought from the store and kind of made it your own or it was something as incredible as the rhino costume that we saw yeah or multiple pieces yes or the beaker or again the scarlet witch that was running around with dad bod thor that was on stilts
0: the entire freaking time like so freaking impressive
1: yeah she looked like she was hovering 15 feet off the ground with her cape flowing behind her. And it was just there to hide the stilt legs and never once did, you know, was your, 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 um, never once was your belief left unsuspended, um, in the fact that, that she was pulling off, that she was Wanda Maximoff, you know, and everybody, you know, was happy. This is something I highly encourage Anybody who wants to go to the con, if you're ever thinking about it and you're like, you know what, I would really like to dress up. There are people there that would just have to be in jean overalls and put a red cap on with an M on it. And they were Mario. Yeah. And
0: I, I give them, well, the people that do the cosplay a lot of credit. Even like if you feel like you, the cosplay is not up to par, I can't do it. I... I would one not know what the hell to do, wh- how to dress up or anything like that. But also the second thing is, too, I'm I'm still a little self conscious when it comes to this stuff. So the people that go out there with the simplest costumes or the most elaborate costumes are like the freaking Wolverine Weapons X running around in his underwear. He dude, that dude, rock
1: guy. That guy was unbelievable. Um, you know, we, some of the first ones that we ran into prior to that gentleman, which by the way, he was like. Five four five five. he was already built like Logan, just jacked to the nines and really sold his interpretation of Weapon X. And it was outstanding. I mean, like you mentioned, we had people that were dressed like Beaker. One of my favorites was um, they had the, uh, um, oh my God, what is the name of the characters from uh, the Muppets? The, um, the Yip the Yips. yips. Yeah. The Yip Yips. The yip yips were there. Um, you know, we ran into a uh, female interpretation of the Crow, and she was phenomenal. I took oh, pictures yeah. with her.
0: Probably um, the best Crow cosplay I've ever seen at any con, bar none.
1: One of my favorite things about cosplay at the cons is that people will take multiple, you know, they'll take uh, Ghostbusters and the Mandalorian and they'll smash it together and you'll get a ghostbusters version of a Mandalorian character. And we ran into that some, something similar with Disney and the Mandalorian, which I guess is still kind of Disney, but, um, Disney princess in Amber Arden, who's a professional cosplayer there, the cutest thing sitting at probably five foot, even yeah. <laughs> if she's, if she's even a foot, um, and just incredibly charming. Looked the part of Snow White and had armor that was the same color and scheme, you know, and schematic as um, as Snow White herself, with the bow in her hair and a blaster in her hand, and freaking badass. Yeah, you know, I like I made it a point to say I think it's just so encouraging to to young girls that princesses can be badass. You know, um, they don't just have to be floofy and and you know and sweet and and all of those things they can be very much so if they want to be but they can also pick up a blaster or a bow like merida or yep. just be a, a badass princess like princess leia you know exactly
0: carrie ass. showed the world
1: <laughs> exactly you know and so i mean there were so many the doctor doom the mysterio um hell we had the the opera singer from uh fifth element was there oh yeah that was Magneto. A cool one there was just so many that were, that just completely blew my mind. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite pictures that I have was, and it's in my con mashup. If you go to our TikTok page and you find the one that's that's under the, I love LA, you'll see princess peach. And she was one of our drag performers that was going around in a little blue Barbie Mustang. And <laughs> it was just one of the funniest uh, and, and cutest forays into cosplay they just it gives everybody a chance to showcase what they can do but it also allows the most simple costumes to stand out and let you feel like a celebrity for a day so you know i would i get standing here with a picture looking at peter parker and right behind him is a dude dressed like clint eastwood from the good and the bad and the ugly (laughs) you know it's it's just so much fun to watch you know the bushido uh darth vader you know it, it, unreal japanese armor and i know it's it's been covered in in action figures but when you see somebody put it together live action
0: well like the just, uh samurai koopa that
1: yeah the the Samurai koopa, that was the other one they had the uh the bowser with the the huge mallet you know oh yeah and um everybody just had such an amazing time and like i said there was no you know uh there was there was nothing that was shunned. Everybody was super super welcoming. You know, everybody from the cosplay world, the convention world, everybody was super welcoming about it. I love that down on the main floor, everybody gets together to take a huge picture with all the Star Wars characters. And their, oh yeah, the meetups. You know, yeah, you know the, all uh, the huge meetups and and things like that. Like you said, I mean, every staircase there must have been occupied by somebody in costume from Star Wars. Yeah. You know, and. If you take a time, you know, take the time to ask them. Like our uh, General sandola from Ahsoka, who happened to be there, yeah. Um, yeah. Harris Sandula. You know, we took some time during our lunch break to talk to her to ask her some tips about her costume, where she would find some of her things, what she did to construct her own stuff. And they're very, very forthcoming. You know. Um, so if you're considering doing cosplay, I would highly suggest look into it. Talk to these people. Reach out to them, man. They're, they're going to welcome you with open arms.
0: To go along with the feeling of being welcome to everything, uh, me and you cross paths with a couple celebrities that one of them in the past wasn't exactly the most welcoming person on the planet. And then another one that has always been welcoming because he was one of the last great television kid hosts of the television era. And I'm I'll the, let you
1: roll with that and then I'll roll with mine on that one. How about yeah, that?
0: Yeah, definitely. So my interaction was with uh DJ Lance Rock from Yo Gabba Gabba.
1: My <laughs> history so with cool. Yo
0: Gabba Gabba pretty much falls from my nieces and nephew. Where mm-hmm. they watched it and I'm like, oh my God, this this kid show isn't psychotic. This is actually good. It's awesome music, cool celebrities, and just not mind-nummy.
1: It was, you know, Yo Gabba Gabba was something that that was interesting to me because the creativity that was involved there uh, allowed for the inclusion of some of DJ Lance Rock's friends, uh, like the Beastie Boys. And yeah you know
0: jack black
1: biz, biz
0: yeah and freaking and, um the aquabats have their hands in that too don't they
1: yeah just you know and, and so you get these people that, that would introduce their world through a kid's show and you know and vice versa the kids would get introduced into some of this you know the musical world and things like that of dj lance rock yeah uh, i crossed him first on songs.
0: friday like, we passed each other and kind of had that head nod. And I'm like, oh, gosh, mm-hmm. said more to him. And then the second day when I was with you, he passed by us again. I was like, can I get a picture? And he was yeah. like, oh, absolutely. And I came, kind of gave him the joke and like, oh, God, you can't have a didn't want, to put, didn't want me to put a drill to my head. And he kind of chuckled like, oh, my God, you had a nutcase. But he <laughs> was like, that's what we're gunning for. But like I said a couple moments ago, I was thinking about it on the drive home where it's like, look at kids shows now where they're basically non-existent and it's all YouTube. Yeah. And yeah, it's,
1: you know, it it, it doesn't have the organic feel that, you know, DJ Lance rock and, and you know, his kind would put forward, um, you know, in entertainment. Now it just seems so cookie cutter or so instant gratification. And, um, you know, he he was just so nice. I, I I love the smile on your face in the picture that I have.
0: Yeah, and I would say, and the next time I see him, I'm gonna tell him like, hey, you're up there with like freaking Mr. Rogers and the sesame Street crew and everything. You're you have an era on TV, sir.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that as you mentioned a, a minute ago, one that we had not previously had great interaction with or had been rumored to with a lot of people. Uh, we came around the corner and there was, and, and I will say right now when I first saw him, I was like, here we go. So the grumpy old honky tonk man from WWF, uh, back in the day if you're a kid or WWE now, you know, <laughs> yeah, just for, for legal rights. Um, So there's the honky-tonk man, one of the longest reigning uh, intercontinental champions. Just got squashed by the ultimate warrior, you know, but but did house show after house show has been a staple of the pro wrestling landscape his whole life. And rumor had it that, you know, he was not always the most pleasant and the most forthcoming. And, you know, you kind of left feeling a little jilted. I can tell you without any uh, you know, w- w- without a shadow of a doubt, he was one of the kindest, sweetest, polite, most appreciative celebrities I've ever met at a convention. He took time to tell us about his life as a, a teacher that he never wanted to really get into this wrestling thing. And then yeah. when he did, it just kind of took over and and he didn't want to be apart from it. And just would tell us these amazing stories and we 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 talked about held the the tiger stripe pants that he had on the you zubas know, he like, yeah the zubas you know and i said i have a pair of those in purple and white when i did my macho man randy savage thing you know and he he would just share these stories with us and and we got to share time. with
0: them our stories of watching it like i told him about yes. sitting at kmart in the tv section because we didn't have cable to watch
1: wrestling and, and he saw me the <laughs> Yep. And it was, you know, it was just a, a genuine interaction between fans and uh, you know, those that we, we admired and, you know, as we grew up to find out that they were doing their job properly, those that we, you know, couldn't wait to see get beat by the the good guys or the face, you know, of wrestling and just a, a humble, sweet guy, and I—I I couldn't have had a better interaction with him. And totally uh, you know, I'll just end it with that. He was—he was just a fantastic guy, and I was glad to get my picture with him.
0: Okay, there's so much more we can do, but I think we covered all of our bases. There's one interaction, and like we talked about talking to the CEO and everything. There's one thing I did feel like right about being there and knowing that we're back to where we needed to be. I, I forget which booth it was, but. I was wearing the Nowhere shirt and forgot that I was wearing the Nowhere shirt. And the guy running the booth like, okay, I see you later, Josh. I'm like, do I know you? And he reminded me, your name's on your shirt, dude. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. The shirts are new.
1: It's on your shirt, Captain Professionalism.
0: Yeah. Uh- <laughs> and, and then I gave him kind of the rundown of Nowhere and everything and our independent status and all that stuff. And his wife was listening to me say this. And as I finished up, she was like, that is fucking the way to do and just gave me a huge high five and gives me goosebumps talking about right now where like no matter what like i've seen other press at the cons where they're just kind of there because we get to be there but for us yay we do get to be there because we we work at it but the fact of the matter is we will work at it we know what we're doing there we're gonna have fun and we're gonna be who we are. are
1: It doesn't matter if we get the big name interviews or photos. I mean, we'll always grab something. But I think the heart of us is, is an independent creator. You know, like we're, we're an independent outlet. And so we really find ourselves at home when we're down in the trenches with other independent creators you're down there and you see somebody who's taken, uh, you know, a character from, from seven or from Edward Scissorhands or from Friday the 13th and they've made them into something cute or into another relatable, uh, you know, icon incorporating them into a Starbucks logo or something like that. Anything that that takes them outside of the box, get down there to the independent alleys, you know, the the artist alleys and things like that and talk to these people. They're going to be so pleased to share their creations with you. So, and and that's really what the heart of nowhere, California is about.
0: And that's a good way to wrap it up. Uh, once again, thank you to the entire team behind a Los Angeles comic con for opening the gates and letting us back
1: in. Yeah. And we look forward to seeing you guys next year. We can't wait to be part of it. And we thank you so much for letting us, uh, you know, uh, dip our toe back into the convention with you guys and such a, a wonderful group of people.
0: So I guess, And the true Nowhere California Forum. With all that being
1: said, this has been Josh. And this has been Nick. And be excellent to each other. What he said. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're on
0: Zoom. I'm not going to try to sync that shit up.